0: Miss McIntosh, My Darling, Chapter 72, Part 2 Her eyes almost closed, the thick eyelashes shadowing her flushed cheeks, and she seemed to have fallen into sleep, but still her face showed no repose a twitching motion of the cheeks, the nose, the chin, the ears, the red mouth opening wide and snapping shut like a great flower, a flycatcher. It is only because of my increasingly expected condition, my everlasting pregnancy and nebula and swelling, she sighed. I moan and am sleeping the daylight, fighting off shadows, and sleep not in the long, long night of waiting and whistling and scraping. My body so increased I cannot turn from side to side and the mattress sags. It is only because of the watery condition and of the magnetic pole and the icebergs and something floating far away and always floating nearer. I wonder why, but it is only because of this dark pregnancy, this great water that tastes of salt, she blurted out, opening her eyes, and feeling of not being born myself yet, and being so tired of my strength remembering the stillborn and not remembering the fathers. There were more stillborn than fathers. There were as many stillborn as the autumn leaves, the snowflakes, and I could not count them. I have been pregnant for an undue long time, she sighed, a questioning look on her face, the eyebrows lifted, and absent-minded in the increase nobody knows how long pregnant, nobody conceived child or age, but it is this waiting that gave me ever my sympathy, my maternal heart, my leakage, and all. The poor little stillborn, all so sudden dropping, she smiled lovingly, certain. It was those little children that I loved, dropping from me, all like leaves, but not their father's. For there were so many, all so puny and withered, all those salesmen wandering through here, the old piano tuner, the old horn blower, the tin roofer, the soap salesman that I met with in the winter meadow, the lost featherweight, the waxen Chicago detective who was looking for his three that I had hidden, little children, it was they I loved, and were taken away and not clothed. The coffee was overheated again, so it must get cold as stone again, and that was what kept her busy here, and not brooding. For the last few years it had been unnecessary, she guessed. Where did you come from, she asked, lazily, her voice drifting like her hair. From far away, she answered, and you were a stranger, but you you shall not always be. If the world ended tomorrow, there would be someone you would meet upon the other shore. I had come from the east, from the eastern shore, I said, but what difference to her where I had come from? She would not have been surprised if it was the other. East and west is all the same to me, she volunteered, for I have been east once, and I was pregnant then, and I am pregnant now, and not different. I made no difference. It did not take off my weight, even when I went up in the gas balloon. She had not traveled much, of course, being so heavy, dragging her deformed foot, but it had been east after she had been south, vacationing, and had seen the same things everywhere, the same people, that there was no difference in Homo sapiens. I will always I also have been at once on a desert island off the coast of the Old Dominion, the state of Virginia, her voice streamed, low and soft. Windward starward, the most beautiful desert island, where there were no people of Homo sapiens, but only the wild wind and the wild waves pounding all around me, and me pregnant and swelling up all night, and dew exuding out of my forehead my sweating. I had not even a can opener upon that island, not even a nail. She had been alone, in fact, as never before and had been taken with all the symptoms, the signs, the fluctuations, the swellings, the luminosity, the breathings, the cries, and yet could remember no man, and yet there was never any birth, not even a stillbirth. Nothing ever came. There was nobody on all that beautiful desert island but herself, bright eyes watching the thinly clouded sky, bright eyes watching the long, bent, wiry grass, bright eyes watching the sky where the moon rode in the wind, There were stars like baby powder scattered on a sleeping face there was no one but herself watching no other consciousness unless it was a clam but yet when the thin clouds lifted she saw what she had not seen a drove of wild mares with snowy tails their eyes as great as carriage lanterns as moons and all running 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 and all pounding against the surf against the sky all were pregnant their big bellies flopping as they rolled upon the sand with their legs lifted that there was no male anywhere, no father, no male in the phosphorescent surf, gleaming with fireflies, not in the loud crashing breakers, not on the far horizon, no father, no foal. When she came home here, feeling the thing so silent inside, the silent little heart, she had told the old doctor how strange it was that the wild white mares were pregnant by the great waters, but there was no father, no foal. But it was not strange the old doctor had said, and that it just showed that he, what he had already believed increasingly, that if the world could go on in no other way, it would go on in imagination, and the wild white mothers be fecundated by the wind. Yet how could they have gotten into this family way, she still often wondered, biting her fingernails, and why nothing was born when they pounded against the sky. The stars shine in the day like in the night, only cannot be seen, the light blotting out the light, old doctor says. I was pregnant then for many years, and you are pregnant now, always, off and on. If I lose it, I gain it again. It is like my weight that slips away and then comes back. Even if some jealous people did not believe that they saw what they saw and said that she was crazy, the passive policeman's only daughter, a poor mule, or else everlastingly pregnant, she knew what she knew, just like everybody else.' She had given birth as easily as the snow falls from the sky and it had melted upon her mouth upon her hands those hands which had held only the streamer the umbilical cord a withered rose a branch of thorn the fathers were sterile and the stillborn were their fault not hers for she was fleshy and ruddy to begin with the conception had been frozen perhaps yet it was advanced so far now her lonely pregnancy ominous and opalescent and unforgiving It could be seen by anyone with eyes, there being all the symptoms, all the signs, the features, the omens, the shadow of a little hand, the shadow of a little foot, playing ever against her side, a pearly striated wall like a seashell filled with echoes of the ghostly sea. She had seen it, the shadow, and had touched it, the shadow of a little foot. Never was I so far advanced as now, she sighed, so heavy, staggering, and hearing all the voices of all the stillborn everywhere, a whistling to remind me. It must be years again now as i recall since i last was laid low or many days and many nights of waiting this is certainly a beautiful world we are living in but not the only one i always do wonder where the other is gone the other of the shades it is under my heart my leaking heart the sky which old doctor said was sepul- sepul- sepulcher is a long word i do worry she explained frowning and smiling but only because i brooded too much when i was much younger i am always breathing and breathing and hoping things past, the things to be, the things to never be, the little salesmen, the little hornblowers, the little detectives, the little things. having so much weight, so much firm flesh now upon her, she was always forgetful, afraid that she had lost a stillborn yesterday or one who cried, that he might have slipped away from her among the still pools of the flattened fields. Yet she knew better, for it was here, under her great heart again, the little shadow foot that ran and ran. There had been so many prematurely born, sudden sudden as hailstones in a summer sky, but this was one she feared she might be over-carrying. Sometimes it was silent. Its moving was better than the silence, though, old Dr. Dr. O'Leary had told her only this morning, drunkenly leaning on his cane, that she should be hopeful. Never to fear childbirth, he said, if ever she was pregnant, for it would be easy for her and slip away. Yet she feared she might lose it as silently as if she dropped a handkerchief, or as if a rose petal fell in the Arctic glare where the old doctor delivered the old ghost babies that were not hers. Her morning and her evening sickness, however, reassured her, and she felt the moths in her stomach. Why complain for her pregnancy increased? Only this morning, leaning on his black hawthorn came, Not leaning on his black, th- sorry, only this morning, leaning on his black thorn cane, old Dr. Le- O'Leary had told her, his old eyes frozen, that she would lose no weight, that though her weight would still increase and gather glory from the sky, he had not yet seen the form within the form, the most delicate filament, the cherub in the cloud, that he could not discourage a sign of life if it fluttered and gleamed in the darkness, as she said, for his own pulse was failing, and his own arteries had hardened. He suffered from hardening of the artery of the brain. I can feel its white collarbone growing in the darkness, she said. It has grown so old now that it seems almost a man's size. If only it wore a collar, too, and a necktie. It wears a golden anchor around its foot in the golden waters. Drowned. Great skull, great collarbone, many eyes like fireflies gleaming. She had turned to see whether the coffee was of the right temperature at last. She added a cup of water. Too hot or too cold, always in the wrong fever, she announced, mumbling and slow, and could not have even if she had wanted to, but would get cold as stone again, so why worry? But just go on climbing the green hills and let them talk. A shadow seemed to pass visibly through her, but she was passing through the shadow. I have so many little children, and all stillborn, she explained, shining, shiningly smiling, rubbing her nose. It was like having none. could not count them. Some were like birds and human beings, all feathery pieces of glass, and some moved not, and some moved too much. The morning sickness, the evening sickness, some without eyes and could not see me, some without ears, some too severe, yet I had tried and tried to reach a higher life and to be honest maternal woman. All by herself she had tried, with utmost patience, to give birth to one who lived and would be visible to others, not merely to her, her heart pounding like a hammer, the cartilage breaking, her beauty would never fade unless she had a child, and she wished that her beauty would fade away like dew, leaving no sign. Yet here she was, unfaded, full-blown, pregnant, misunderstood, and what had the salesman told her? I am a full-blown woman, a red, red rose, forever blooming, alone and unplucked in the snow. I am a white piano, she insisted, her hair drifting like a dark cloud. And my key's not dusty, my petals good. My petals good, she, my echoes. She was a white piano, played upon by many numb, dreaming fingers, which knew no score. Her key's not dusty, her leg's swollen, her petals good. "'and sounding with the music that swelled to the sky "'and rolled along the heavens like a great ball, another world. "'What if the old piano tuner wheezing had told her "'that something was lost, a chord, an echo? "'He was deaf and tuning only with his fingers and his reverberations. "'Did she not know that she was a white piano, "'that she had all the strings and all the organs "'and all the fallopian tubes and all the reverberations "'and all the echoes that filled the ether "'and hardly any muffle or strain in both hemispheres? "'That there was nothing wrong with her, her keys not dusty?' nor with the sky nor with the billowing clouds nor with the amplitude yet maybe she had kept on thinking there was something wrong with the amplitude with the echoes other th- than her- other than hers and with the dreaming fingers that had played upon the dusty keys and had gotten confused she was losing her hair the bald spot was growing at last she was pouring the cold coffee some of which spilled on the counter for because of her luminous pregnancy this great increase the fireflies, the marsh butterflies, the moths, the reeds, her hands trembled, and she could not always do her work efficiently. Yet she would never lose her courageous strength or grasp on life, and anyhow, there was no turning back unless she walked on the same red road again, her head drooping, her eyes lustrous and dull and sad, and passing where she had passed. She would have to find out, then, where all the little children were hidden away in the brook, in the tree stumps everywhere, if the birds and the fishes had gotten them. So I would rather go on than go back and live through it all again. The old bursts, the old snows, the old rains, the old winds. It is my opinion we are all engulfed. Engulfed? Just engulfed. That was what she meant, honestly and firmly, talking behind her trembling hands. This was not the restaurant. This was the womb. This was the grave. Yet why feel tormented, for her hope was growing immeasurably. Old doctor coming in here to borrow a nickel? always did say that she was the immortal medical case in his opinion and would be pregnant until the stars had fallen in the skies and unrolled like a scroll on the last day he gives me everlasting hope in his advice that i will never die in childbirth that it will be easy for me like passing a seed like smiling that i am the immortal medical case and different from other women the ebb of reason he said is occupied by the tide of imagination bringing all old wreckage onto shore and the past will be the future Yet it may be a man-child with more than three teeth. You can see with your own eyes. She continued that I am no weak. That I am not weak and have all my higher senses and my five senses. Ugly outside I may be as an old mule of the, co- the color of dung or a mud fence, but beautiful am I inside. Great waters and unexplored. My heart leaking like the sky. My bladder leaking and would never try to make it pass. The little hand inside of me, my fumbling fingers, played upon me, and it was the other music that I heard, my pulse pulse low, my sympathies, my tupper. Oh, yes, and there were the echoes coming, she continued, plucking her eyebrows, pulling at her hair, until the stars fell. I got to take my time and do it my own way, but I have my exhalations and my inhalations and my breath and all my senses and all my tubes and petals and all my autumn leaves whirling and all my buds and go along in the stream of life. What if there were a few old mistakes, or many? Mumbling, she bit the air, slapped her knees, stared. It is probably the medica materia, she announced at last, a benign tumor or a spark. A tear had formed in one dull, lustrously glazed eye and fell with a splash as she smiled into the corner of her blood-streaked apron. Wear this, she said, to cover me in shame. It was because of her interesting condition that she moved so slow. People who made fun of her condition would be saddened. Whatever they might think, they would be surprised for she would show them that they were wrong. They thought that there was something the matter with her, but not what she thought it was, so they were mistaken. Even her own parents, being innocent of the ways of the world, being as strangers to each other, never meeting, could not guess what the matter was, though it should have been obvious to a dove or to a little boy. For Her breasts were swelling like milky breakers, and her hips were enlarged after she waned, and her heart had its leakage like the sky, and her brain generally felt heavy as if she were wearing a crown. Her full her four lobes were good, though. Old Doctor had told her, and her convolutions excellent. There were droplets of milk now already on her breast, like dew formed on flowers, red flowers. And her eyelids were somnolently heavy, puffed. Her eyes ringed by black rings. And her spinal column curved by the weight, the heavy weight of memory and snow. Her beauty did not fade, and did not, and did increase, but it would fade. For whatever the signs and symptoms were, the increase, the evening sickness, the morning sickness, the nausea, the moths, the fireflies, the bullfrogs croaking, the white birds, the chills, the fevers, the green grape, all would pass away, nor would she need an anesthetic, local or general, to assuage her pain when the time came, for she would be anesthetized by the cold heavens above her and give birth as in a beautiful dream, The child running from her. She hardly ever had suffered, she said, laughing into her hands, the pain of birth labor, the heavings, the tearings, had never had to take a stitch. There had been no more pain than a twin like losing an old tooth that had hung by a thread. It was difficult only when t- nothing came. All her teeth, though, were hers. For she had lost no teeth as did most women who, in her condition, lacked the calcium. She laughed uproariously, her whole body shaking as she thought of it. Nothing. Laughed until the tears splashed hot and cold upon her livid, twitching cheeks. How bear so much water? How be so still? Her breast heaved as she thought of it, nothing, a watery grave, nothing in it, no little hand, no little foot, not even a shadow, of her father's ignorance and of her mother's ignorance, their failure to understand, an only child, now great with a shadow in the waters. Why had her mother never tried to understand or extend compassion? Why did she not realize that she had already been a grandmother? Perhaps it was asking too much. Perhaps it was because her mother, small, fluttering, bird-brain, tight-lipped, had borne her only with great hesitation and reluctance and regret and the child had been a disappointment to the mother. After all, the child guessed, the eyes small with grief, the lips quivering, she had torn her mother's skin, she had broken her mother's bones, the profound slumberous ignorance of her mother in view of the mystery of the child's life. It got to her. It got her. When she thought of her mother and her father, her heart sank like a leaden bell into a turgid sea, and all hands were lost, and she would just about give up hope. Then would the little shadow boxer sit still under her heart, thinking, thinking, wondering if it was all worthwhile? Or should he never come but <clears throat> or should he never come but sit forever under her heart, with his little hands folded and his little eyes closed, and his little trumpet hanging around his neck? My parents don't see me as I am. They never knew each other. They do not know me. I am lost here. How it filled her with profound amazement the shallow ignorance of her parents, and if she had been of a different nature, not half so stubborn and mulish, she might be convinced of it that they were right, that she had not been grateful, and the wrong always they thought she was, that no man would ever take her out, that no man would ever ask for her cold hand in marriage, that she would not be married in this creation, even with the mosquito netting used as her bridal veil and thorns as her wreath, that after all their vast effort in this creation, their slowness, their reluctance. Here she was, an old maid, an unmarriageable daughter scaring the men away. What awful foolishness! But it was so, their not knowing that she was experienced and sought after, their thinking that she was only vulgar and ungrateful, that after all the refined advantages they had given her, the education far beyond their sphere or of hers or anybody's polished manners, the music, the piano, the saxophone, the dancing upon her toes, the normal college, the beauty college, the travel, the diction, the china painting, after all their trying and self-sacrifice, here she was, a dumb, cold mule that smelled of the high heavens and leaned forever across an old mud fence that separated her from others and from experience. Her parents teased her and said that she was a beast of burden, cross-eyed and unpopular and scared the men away. But little did they know of the salesman hiding behind the corn, of the rustling salesman hidden behind the rustling corn, and how she was always stopped, and how she was always pregnant. They would have been surprised. Little did they know of the men in her life, the lock and key salesman, the soap salesman whom she had met with in the slippery winter winter meadows on a day of sad, hissing snow, the old horn blower, the old piano tuner, the tin roofer, the rubber salesman, the lost featherweight, the Chicago waxen detective, and all the others, the butterfly-catchers, the bridge-menders, the geologists, and even the lieutenant-governor and the health-agent and the census-taker, could not count as children by Esther Longtree. Little did her parents ever realize what was ever unrealized. They thought it was her weight and her fluctuations in her voice, so she was fortunate and undiscovered, yet they should have seen if they had had eyes to see with her girth enlarging each day by a shade, her purple anguish, the swollen trumpeting breast, the swollen piano legs, the great... Lonesome burden, the moving van, the cushion, the little shadow boxer moving, striking its shadows, the toys, and how with her head hanging, she would creep into the house only among the moths and shadows and go straight to her windy bedroom that was attached to it and shut the door. Would never cry out loud for fear her mother might hear her. Would never cry out loud for fear her mother might hear another little cry.